You're listening to Profit Without Worry, episode number 101. Creating profit without worry in your business means that you need to have a system to attract the right people and invite those people to become paying clients. Today, we're going to talk about the five content components of creating your profit without worry marketing funnel so you can get started right away. Hey there, I'm Michelle Evans, and this is the show where coaches, experts, and business owners like us get real about what it takes to create a profitable online business. I can tell you from experience that nonstop hustle plus random acts of marketing do not equal success. So how do we attract a steady flow of clients and sales without all the hustle? This is the Profit Without Worry podcast. Well, hello there. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're having a great week this week. So I've got a question for you. Have you downloaded your free guide to Profit Without Worry? I put it together so that as we're going through all of these um, episodes, you have that guide with the basics, the crux of what we're talking about for you. And it's really easy to grab it. Just go to ProfitWithoutWorry.com forward slash free and you can download the guide right there to get on your path to profit without worry. So today we're going to talk about what actually goes into that path. We're going to talk about the five content components to an effective marketing funnel. Now I have to tell you, this isn't about the technology. I don't actually care what technology you use. I know some people who simply use Instagram and PayPal. I know some people who have super fancy tech-heavy marketing funnels. It's not about the technology so much as it is about what we're going to talk about today. It's not about trickery. It's not about being pushy. It's really about showing up and serving your audience and educating them in a way that makes them lean forward and say, and say to you, tell me more. Give me more. How do I move forward with you? So let's talk about what those five things are. So number one, you've got to have a desirable offer. Look, I'm just, I say this all the time and I'm going to say it again here. There is no amount of money or marketing that will turn a bad offer into something that sells. Listen, you know, I worked at Microsoft before I went out on my own and started my business back in 2012. Well, actually, I started it in 2011, but I didn't go full time till January of 2012. But anyway, um, Microsoft, like eons ago, I think maybe 2001 or 2002. I can't remember exactly what year. It might have been 2004. Anyway, a long time ago. (laughs) Let's just chalk it up to that. They had um, they had this ginormous smartwatch. Now, this watch. was like the precursor to the watch that I have on my wrist today, which is an Apple watch. Um, And it was like the biggest, ugliest thing that you've ever seen. And it was way ahead of its time, like way, way, way ahead of its time. Um, And the people who made it, they fell in love with the technology. They fell in love with how cool this thing was. And 
I don't, I mean, depending on how old you are, if you've ever seen the movie, or the movie, the show Knight Rider, I don't know if you remember that old 80s show, um, where, you know, he would talk into his watch, he'd be like, "Kit, come get me. And um, yeah, I watched it when I was a kid, but um, it, it looked like that, like it was a giant ugly watch. So first of all, no women wanted to wear this thing because it was huge and it looked ugly and tacky. And second of all, it was so um, ahead of its time. I mean, it was really an innovative product, but it was so ahead of its time that it couldn't really deliver on a lot of the things that it was visioned to deliver on. So it wasn't a desirable offer. And there was no, I mean, Microsoft has a lot of money that they spend on marketing. I mean, I don't know what they spend nowadays because I haven't looked at their financial reports in a while. But when I was there, I mean, they were spending a lot, a lot, a lot, like $4 billion on, um, you know, external marketing. And that's a lot of money. And so, you know, when I say that there's no amount of marketing that can make a bad product desirable, like I have... I've lived actual things. I mean, the Kin phone was another example of that. Like, there's a lot of examples of that, is that you've got to start with an offer that people want. You have to solve a problem for your audience that they want solved and that they, they can see that they can solve it. And we'll get more into this. But bottom line, if you've got an offer that is not desirable to your to your audience, it doesn't matter how amazing you are at marketing. It doesn't matter how much you spend on it. It's not going to sell. So let's just start there. And, you know, I wanted to give you some well-known examples from Microsoft because, you know, you and I have like one one millionth of the amount of money and resources that they have, maybe less, I don't know. And even they couldn't make those products work well. So... Before we even dive into anything else, I want you to know that your offer matters a lot. And then once you have that offer, we turn into we turn to how do we position that offer, that desirable offer, not just a crappy offer, but a good desirable offer, right? So thing number two is you need to know what your audience's beliefs are about your offer. And specifically, you need to know, like, what do they even think about it? Do they believe that it's doable? Have they even heard about it? And what do they need to believe about your offer in order to want to buy it? And this is a really important question and one that people skip over a lot. Because, you know, we fall in love with our own offers where we can see how amazing these offers are and how much they help our audience but if our audience is looking at it and they're like, I don't get it, I don't see how this can help me, it doesn't matter how amazing it is. So you need to know what does your audience need to believe about your offer in order to want it, to desire it, to say, yeah, that's the thing I want to learn more about. So for example, do they need to believe that your offer is going to pay for itself right away? Do they need to believe that your offer is really simple or really quick or or really easy or that it'll save them time? Do they need to believe that your offer um, is something that they can actually use? Do they have the right skills or experience or, I don't know, tools or whatever to fully use it? 
Do they need to believe that your offer is all that they need to get what it is that they desire? Or is it something else? Do they need to believe that it's better than the competitors? Do they need to believe that there's nothing like it in the in the world? Like, what is it that they need to believe? Really understand what that is. And it might be one thing. It might be 15 things they need to believe. It kind of depends on how much your offer is, how many competitors there are, how well known you are, all that kind of stuff. But really get clear about what your audience needs to believe about your offer. If you don't know that, and if you don't have a desirable offer, um, it's not going to sell <laughs> because people won't believe that your offer will help them. The next thing, thing number three is what do they need to believe about themselves? So I got into that a little bit in the previous one, um, got a little ahead of myself, but you know, what do they need to believe about themselves to believe that your offer will work for them. So for example, I mean, you see this all the time in diet and weight loss stuff, right? You'll see before and afters, you'll see, you know, testimonials about how amazing this diet is or this workout program is or whatever. And people are going, yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. This is just like, whatever, Atkins. This is just like South Beach. This is just like, Uh, Weight Watchers, this is just like whatever. And I've already tried that and I've already failed at that. And if that is not that you're doing weight loss, but if your audience is looking at your offer and they're like, "Ugh, I've seen something like this before. I've tried it before. It hasn't worked for me before. This won't work either. If there's something that they need to believe about themselves, how do you get to that place, right? Like how do you help them see this is not what you've seen before? What, you know, when you failed before, that wasn't your fault. There were actually other things at play. There's this, um, I forget who I heard it from. I didn't write down who I heard it from, but it was this great analogy that, you know, a tree, think about a big leafy tree, right? Um, I have a huge one in my backyard. So like a big maple tree, a big oak tree, like a big super leafy tree. And when you look at that tree, there's, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, a couple thousand leaves on that tree. There's lots of branches, but there's just one, you know, main trunk, one stem that goes down to the ground that then goes into the roots, right? And a lot of times when we think about what people believe about themselves, And they say, yeah, you know, it might have worked for them, but it won't work for me. It's because they've fallen for one of those symptoms that's in the tree. Like, I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right skill set. I'm not, you know, pretty or handsome enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not um, old enough. I'm not young enough. Like, there's a lot of beliefs that will come up for people. And they'll be like, yeah, it won't work for me because of this. And they're all symptoms of the root cause problem. And you need to understand how to show them that you understand that those symptoms are things that could get in their way, are things that could keep them from taking the action that they want. And those are all the leaves, right? So you need to know what all those are. And for, for some people, there's maybe like, three or four. For some people, there might be 15 or 20. I don't know how many, I don't know exactly what you're selling because obviously we're not having a one-on-one conversation, 
But it's really important that you understand for your audience, what are the beliefs they have about themselves, about things they've tried before, about why things don't work, and how can you position you know, what they've tried before as different from what you have? How can you have those things they've tried before be the leaves and the symptoms of what they're doing, but you're going to help them understand the root cause and get to the core of what's really going on. And that's how you're going to help them. So that's a belief about themselves. And then a belief about you kind of, you know, interweaves with that. But what do they need to believe about you to believe that their offer will work for them? Do they need to believe that you've helped yourself out of a similar situation? Do they need to believe that you've helped other people, you know, lots of other people like them? Do they need to believe that you're, I don't know, a well-regarded expert? Like, what is it that they need to believe about you? Um, and, and one of those things might just be that they need to know who you are. I mean, when I had Marissa on a few episodes ago, who's, she's one of my students from Build Your Funnel Bootcamp. And she said during the interview, something that she hadn't said to me prior to that. And she's like, you know, I was asking myself, how do I not know who you are? And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I, I need to get better at getting out there. So maybe your audience just doesn't even know who you are. So they don't even really have beliefs about you yet. So, you know, what is it that they need to believe about you? Or do they even just need to know who you are? And then number five, this really, so, you know, two, three, and four kind of work together. And then they go into number five, which is giving proof and reasons why that proof matters. So one of the biggest things that I see people doing wrong in their marketing funnels in creating a profit without worry system for their business is that they'll make these big unsubstantiated claims. I'm going to 10x your business, you know, that kind of stuff, right? lose, you know, 30 pounds in the next 15 days, those kind of big claims. And, you know, when I say those, what do you do? I mean, you're probably rolling your eyes. You're like, yeah, I've heard that before. And you tune out because they're making big claims that are unsubstantiated. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. It doesn't work next. Right. And we just ignore it. Um, And that's what happens when you make claims that you don't back up with proof. It sets off the BS meter for your audience, for their audience. Now, I know you and I aren't going to be doing that. We're going to make claims that are backed up by proof and reasons why, because we know how important that is. So, you know, we've got to have proof. We have to have proof to back up any claims that we make in our marketing funnels. So if you make a claim you know, you write this down or sear it in your brain. Anytime I make a claim, I need to have proof. And I also need to connect that dot and show the reason why this proof matters. So proof can actually show up in a lot of different ways. I mean, people always think about, you know, testimonials or whatever, but there's actually a lot of different ways that proof can show up. So let's talk about four kind of general buckets that proof can fall in. So the first is logical proof. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever relied on consumer reports, for example, for some logical proof that a decision that you're about to make is the right one. I know whenever 
Um, my husband and I, you know, we like to buy cars brand new and then we take good care of them and drive them for a long time. Um, and so when we're going to make a car purchase, we'll look at consumer reports and we'll take a look at the testing. We'll take a look at all of the stuff that, um, you know, the, that consumer reports puts whatever car category we're looking at through so that we can make a really good informed choice based on logical proof, not on hype, not on paid endorsements, not on anything like that. Right. Um, and you know, some people are really into logical proof. Now there's other stuff that goes into it as well, but you know, for example, if we're going to spend, I don't know, 50, $60,000 on a car, I want to have proof that that is a good way to spend my money and that that car is going to go the distance, right? And that it's safe for my family and all that kind of stuff. So that's logical proof. Do you have logical proof for your business? You may or may not. You don't have to have all of these buckets. But if you're in a business where you can provide some sort of logical proof, um, and, you know, consumer reports is just one example. There's lots of ways to have logical proof about things. Um, then it's a really good proof bucket that you can use to back up your claims. All right. The second proof bucket is anecdotal. So stories and examples. Now, um, you know, when I interview students and clients of mine, that's a way to provide anecdotal evidence. You know, we all see testimonials from people and we'll see like these highlights, but it's, which is great too. Like that's also anecdotal. But if you, um, if you were to go through and really listen to the episodes where I've interviewed students and clients, there's a lot of other things that come in there. There's a lot of stuff about their beliefs, about, you know, what they went through, all sorts of stuff. And those are really powerful because what happens is that people say, wow, that person, Marissa, Chrissy, <laughs> Tiffany, um, I'm trying to think of everybody I've uh interviewed, um, Trisha, you know, like they'll say, wow, that person's in a situation kind of like me. I'm going to listen to this story and it builds up really good, um, proof. So what's a way that you could interview students and clients and, you know, customers and whatever, how could you get some of that anecdotal proof? How could you get some stories and examples about how people have, um, used your product, your program, your service, to, you know, move them forward. And a lot of times people won't say exactly the right thing. And that's part of the um, power in these is that they're not scripted. They're not paid for. It's just you having a conversation with somebody and it could be over a podcast. It could be over video. It could be, I don't know, any other way in person. Um, you know, I've been to some events where um, the speaker has had people come up on stage and provide anecdotal stories and examples about, you know, how they've achieved things. And that is so incredibly powerful. All right. The third bucket is social proof. Social proof and anecdotal proof kind of go hand in hand. But anecdotal, I tend to see as a lot um, more in depth. Uh, whereas social proof is sort of just like volume of people. That's how I sort of break it out. 
Um, and according to HubSpot, which if you don't know HubSpot, it's a huge marketing company. They work with some of the biggest companies out there. They do a lot of studies every year. And one of their studies said that 88% of consumers trust user reviews as much as a personal recommendation. That is crazy. Um, so again, that could be like a quick testimonial. Um, but it's also things like on Amazon where you see, you know, tons and tons of people giving four and five star reviews and talking about how they like things. Um, it's also like on IMDB, if you want to, you know, get the get or um, Rotten Tomatoes or any of those things where it's showing you what people like you think about something before you invest your time into it, right? Social proof is also, um, you know, in the online marketing world where you'll see lots of affiliates starting to promote somebody else's product, program, or service, right? Is that it's saying, hey, I believe in this enough to put my name behind it. It's social proof. Or like, you know, four out of five dentists choose this toothpaste or whatever. Like that's all social proof. And it's basically saying, you can make this choice because a lot of us have made this choice and we're happy about it. Um, and then the final bucket that I'm going to talk about today is demonstrative. So hello, infomercials. <laughs> hello, home shopping network, right? Um, it, you know, or sample carts at the grocery store or, you know, sample carts at the farmer's market or whatever. One of the best examples of a demonstrative uh, proof is from the 1854 World's Fair. Yeah, it's going back a long time, but just stick with me for a minute because I want to show you how powerful this could be. So elevators and all of that kind of stuff, they weren't new on the market, but most people use them only for lifting things, right? Because they would, back in the 1800s, because they would put you know, really heavy, like a piano or, uh, I don't know, a bank vault or whatever into a lift or an elevator and they would crank it up. And a lot of times the rope would break, you know, safety standards in the 1800s were not what they are now. So they, so people never really wanted to go in an elevator because when the rope broke, what happened? Whatever was in that lift came crashing down to the ground. And so this guy named Elisha Otis built um, what he called the safety elevator, right? And he was having a really hard time selling this. And so what he did is he went to the 1854 New York World's Fair and he built a demonstration of his four-story safety elevator. And... Instead of just because he was going around and he was trying to sell this thing and he was like, you know, logically trying to show them this is why it works. And he would have these little um, uh, like mini models of the elevator and he would put heavy things on it. But it was like marbles and stuff. And he would show, you know, you cut the rope, it doesn't fall. And people are like, yeah, that works with marbles. But I'm not about to put this elevator in my building and have people come crashing down and dying. And so Elisha was like, all right, how can I prove to people that this is really safe? So what he did is he built a four-story 
like big size elevator. It wasn't a model. And he did it at the New York World's Fair. So there were tons of people coming in and out, tons of people who potentially had money to build buildings and buy his his elevator. And he would have his assistant pull him up the four stories and and then he would tell his assistant to take this axe and dramatically cut the rope. And everybody in the crowd would be like, <gasps> because they were expecting him to come crashing to his death. But what happened is it demonstrated that his elevator with this innovative design would stop. So even when the rope was cut, it would stop and it would keep him there until you know the, the rope could be repaired. He did this demonstration every hour on the hour for the entire World's Fair. And after that, it you know was history because people were lining up to buy this safety elevator left, right, and center. And it was it's a really good example because it shows you, you know, he was running around trying to logically sell this to people, trying to, you know, show them how his patent and this new type of elevator was something that they could believe in, but the logic didn't work. It wasn't until he did this dramatic example that it worked. Now, you might be thinking, all right, Michelle, I could see how that works for, you know, elevators and people not plunging to their death. Um, but how could that work for my business? Well, I've seen people do really cool things. Like I saw um, a content business. So this was somebody who does content planning for her clients. I saw somebody do, um, it was like a, a one hour session where she showed up and showed you how you could plan. Um, it was either 90 days or six months worth of content. I can't remember. It's been a few months, but anyways, a lot of content in a one hour time frame following her system. And, Following that, there was an offer, obviously, but what better way to do that than to dramatically start a clock and then start going through all of the exercises, right? Um, and I've seen lots of people do this. They'll do uh, live coaching of, you know, working through uh, different examples, um, maybe, you know, like a, a wardrobe stylist could show you how you could you know, take five pieces from your wardrobe and make, you know, 25 different outfits. Like there's so many ways that you can demonstrate what you do, even if what you do seems like it happens behind a computer. So anyway, those are four different ways that you can show proof. So, you know, think beyond uh, testimonials. I mean, testimonials are always amazing. Don't get me wrong. But think beyond testimonials. How can you have people have an emotional like, aha? I mean, just think about, you know, everybody thinks that Elisha Otis is going to fall to his death from this four-story elevator as his assistant is dramatically chopping the rope with a with a big old axe and he doesn't fall. And and you know people are flocking to buy these elevators. How could you do something as dramatic for your own business as you're building up your social proof, as you're building up your anecdotal proof, and maybe even your logical proof? So again, proof is extremely important for your profit without worry marketing funnel. It helps people build those beliefs about themselves, about your product, 
or offer and about you, it helps them say, you know what, this actually looks different. This is something that I haven't seen before. And, you know, to make it even more effective, you've got to use the power of the reason why beyond just the proof. So, you know, for Elisha Otis, his power of the reason why was how his um, patented design. So it had like all these little, um, like think of a ladder going up each side of a, of a um, elevator. And so when the rope broke, it would it would tilt to one side and the ladder would catch it to keep it from sliding down. And so he was able to show the proof beyond the reason why after he got their attention with the dramatic, um, I don't know, show, I guess. Um, and the power of the reason why is that it's really you helping your audience connect the dots between you know, why the social proof or the anecdotal proof or the logical proof and why this will work for them. And it helps them have an amazing aha moment that goes beyond the proof and really gets into that, ooh, I want that. So in the instance of the Otis elevator example, like I said, Elisha demonstrated how safe his elevator was by dramatically having his assistant cut the cable when he was four stories up. Can you imagine if he had had, you know, 85 experts testifying to everybody or, you know, giving a testimonial to everybody about how safe this was. People would have probably rolled their eyes and not really paid attention because in their minds, elevators were unsafe. But then he went on to tell them the reasons why. So he did this dramatic demonstration, putting his own life in danger, and then he told them why they could believe him. And so you can see how these different buckets can work together at different times, depending on what your audience currently believes. And that's why it's so important to understand what your audience believes. So let's recap these five elements your content needs to include for an effective marketing funnel. So number one, without a shadow of a doubt, you've gotta have a desirable offer. Remember, even Microsoft, even Apple, like they can't sell things that people don't want. Number two, you've gotta know your audience's beliefs about your offer. Number three, you've gotta know their beliefs about themselves. And number four, you've gotta know their beliefs about you so that you know, number five, what kind of proof and reasons why you need to give them about why this offer will work for them. All right, when you set out to create a profit without worry marketing funnel by strategically educating your audience so that they build beliefs that leads them to want your offer, you're gonna notice a dramatic difference in your business. The secret, if you can call it that, isn't in the technology that you use or how many followers you have on social media or anything like that. The secret is about educating your audience to build beliefs that lead them to want to purchase your offer. Your educational content needs to build desire, like underline, bold, circle, highlight, whatever you wanna do. Your educational content needs to build desire in your audience and it needs to establish beliefs in your offer in your audience and about you. When you do this well, your audience will joyfully buy from you because it's a win for them. They finally found the thing that's gonna move them forward, right? All right, I would love to hear how this goes for you. What do you think of 
when you think about building beliefs in your audience? What questions do you have about tapping into each of these five areas and what kind of proof are you currently using in your business? Hit me up on social media or email me, michelle at michellelevans.com. And as you were listening to this, did you think of someone who could use these insights about creating profit without worry in their business? If you can think of someone who could use this, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's easy to do from whatever podcasting app you're listening on, or you can just share the URL for today's show, which is profitwithoutworry.com forward slash episode 101. And your friend can listen right there on their computer, their phone, their tablet, whatever. And don't forget to download your freebie, Five Steps to Profit Without Worry. You can get that at today's show notes or go to profitwithoutworry.com forward slash free so that you can see what it takes to create a movement with your marketing. All right. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place on another great episode of Profit Without Worry. See you then.